Welcome again to the Machine Learning and Data Privacy Podcast. I'm your host Fabiana, and this is a podcast powered by the MLOps community. And if you haven't joined yet our Slack, you should. No excuses there. You already have the links in the description box below. So go ahead and become a member of our amazing community. Podcast series is sponsored by YData, a startup that is helping early adopters of AI so they can become the leaders of tomorrow. Now that we have completed the commercials, let's jump into today's episode. For many of us, artificial intelligence is seen as a way to drive great transformations. But for some others, it still remains a mystery, especially in what concerns the ethics behind creating such powerful solutions. And I'm happy to have here with us today, Charles Radcliffe, as it will help us out solving some of the questions that we have around AI and ethics. Charles is a serial entrepreneur and a data philosopher who has focused his career on solving tough tech challenges for some of the world's largest organizations. Hi friends, welcome to the second episode of the podcast series on data privacy for machine learning, powered by the MLOps community and sponsored by YData, a company that helps adopters of AI to become the industry leaders of tomorrow with high quality and synthetic data. My name is Fabiana Clement and I'm your host. I'm pretty excited with this episode as I have the chance to introduce you to one of the hottest topics in the data world, privacy enhancing technologies, or as they are commonly known, the pets. But before diving in today's topic, Please don't forget to subscribe on the MLOps community and join our Slack so you don't miss the amazing webinars that we have every Wednesday with amazing guests that will step up your ML game. All the links are linked in the description box down below, so please join, you won't regret it. Now let's get back to the episode. If you were tuned in our last session, you might be wondering, can we really be compliant with data privacy if we want to leverage machine learning? We already are aware of all the threats that are around data privacy, and we don't need to go too far in order to find clear examples. If you see, for example, we have autonomous driving and the application of machine learning in the healthcare sectors or even in the industry of energy. And we already know that advanced analytics have been applied in order to optimize many business processes. But at the same time, all these amazing solutions open up new scenarios in which privacy and data security are put at risk. So you might be wondering, are privacy enhancing technologies a myth for machine learning? That's what I count to uncover with today's episode. Let's get back to the basics. What are, after all, privacy-enhancing technologies? I've already shared that with the emerging new solutions based on machine learning, and at such fast speed, data privacy is definitely a major concern. 
Machine learning techniques are pretty powerful and we already know that can end up in data breaches. But not everything are bad news. Although new risks are emerging, we can also seek the help of the exact same technology to minimize, mitigate and completely avoid risks around privacy and data protection. The idea of solutions that are shaped according to privacy principles have already been discussed and is one of the hottest trends nowadays. After all, our own privacy is something that we should take care very seriously. This is a general idea of what are privacy-enhancing technologies, or pets, which covers a very broad range of technologies that were designed with the particular objective of supporting privacy and data protection. So, in the end, what do they promise? It is really true that it's possible to take from data its full potential and unleash its full commercial value, scientific and social, without compromising the privacy and security of the information? Why are pets so important? And, in the end, what are their limitations? To answer all these questions we need, in the first place, to cover some of these technologies in more depth. Pets are quite diverse and applicable with different objectives, depending on the situation and use cases. So, let's jump into the four most well-known pets. The homomorphic encryption, differential privacy, federated learning, and last but not the least, synthetic data, my favorite. Let's jump into the first one, homomorphic encryption. Just like the name says, we can easily guess that this is some sort of encryption. But what is so different about it? And what it makes such a good candidate as a pet? Homomorphic encryption is an encryption form that allows data owners to encrypt their own data while allowing a third party to perform computations on it without even knowing anything about the underlying data. The results of any computation done on the data are expected to be sent again to the owner, who is the only one that is able to decrypt and check the results. In highly regulated markets and industries such as healthcare, homomorphic encryption can be highly useful as it enables the creation of new services and data-driven solutions without concerns around the privacy of the data itself. Let me give you some more concrete examples. It is very hard to get access to medical data, as you know. For obvious reasons, yes. But if we can run the analysis and machine learning algorithms on top of the encrypted data and afterwards have the results decrypted by the hospitals, this would definitely mitigate a lot of concerns around privacy, wouldn't it? Sounds pretty powerful and pretty good, right? So, can we go fully homomorphic encryption on all datasets? Well, in my opinion, this is where things get a bit messy, or at least less pleasant. The application of HE schemes to a full dataset can slow down a lot the computation, when compared to the same calculations with unencrypted data. When I say a lot, I mean... A million times slower. And if that's the case, give a test to the Python package PyFo that is linked in the description box below. 
Now that we already have an overview on homomorphic encryption, let's go to the next exciting path, differential privacy. In general terms, differential privacy is a mathematical definition of privacy in the context of machine learning and statistics. Roughly speaking, differential privacy, or DP, as I'm going to call it, guarantees that anyone seeing the result of an analysis, which was DP-enabled, will essentially make the same inference about any individual's private information, whether or not the same individual was included in the input data. It's a bit confusing, right? Let me give you an example so it's easier for you to understand what is behind DP. Let's suppose that we know Bob, and Bob is an alcoholic that is taking part in a survey that studies the relation between alcohol intake and liver cancer. After the analysis on the survey data, it's found that the accessible alcohol intake causes liver cancer. According to DP, no private information of Bob is revealed because the result of the survey, the impact of alcohol on liver, is independent of if Bob is whether or not in the data set. The conclusion of the survey is essentially treated as the general information of a population, not as the private information about Bob specifically. In the end, what DP does is equivalent to introducing random noise to the given answers before any statistical information is extracted from the data, which allows to ensure privacy while not having a massive impact on the result's accuracy. If the answers or some attributes are changed, can we really guarantee that the results were not massively impacted? How can we measure the level of privacy? Is that even possible? Does it make sense to apply DP to an individual record in a dataset? Well, all of these questions do make sense, but I won't be answering all of them in today's episode. I'll do better and keep them to be answered in a session with a special guest that will explain to us all about the pros and cons of DP, privacy budget, and DP applications. Meanwhile, and if you are already curious about the topic, I can suggest a few open Python libraries such as the IBM Differential Privacy and PyTorch DP. You can also find them linked in the description box below. Now let's move into federated learning. Federated learning can be shortly described as collaborative machine learning without centralized data. Sounds very cool, right? So, if we had to tweet about federated learning, I would, without a doubt, use the hashtag decentralization. This approach contrasts with the most traditional centralized approaches that we are so familiar with. Or, even if we think about the more classical decentralization approaches, in which we assume that the local data samples are identically distributed and roughly the same size, federated learning does not have those assumptions. And none of this hypothesis can even be made, meaning the datasets are typically 
heterogeneous and their sizes might have several different orders of magnitude. Sounds complex, right? In a nutshell, federated learning or collaborative learning enables multiple actors to build a common and a robust machine learning without having to share any data. And this is the key point that makes this technology so important in what concerns addressing data privacy issues. These local trained models are then sent back from the devices to the centralized server where they get aggregated, meaning that the model weights are averaged and consolidated into a global model and a unique model that finally is sent back to the devices again. Well, if you think it makes a lot of sense, this strategy, especially when we are thinking about devices such as our own mobile phones. But what are the real benefits delivered by federated learning? First, it enables devices, small devices, to collaboratively learn a shared prediction model while keeping all the training data on the device itself, instead of having to move it to centralized systems. This not only ensures the privacy of the data used to train the models, but also removes all the challenges, headaches, and hardware infrastructure costs related to data collection from multiple devices, storage space, and even the distributed training. Also, federated learning makes real-time predictions possible, since the predictions happen on the device itself. This is a major factor for use cases where latency must be minimal, such as autonomous driving. And, of course, this all sounds very good, but what are federated learning drawbacks after all? As a centralized system, communications are critical bottlenecks in federated learning networks, meaning it is very important to have in place communication efficiency methods. Also, let's not forget, not all the devices involved in the process are expected to have the exact same behavior. So, it's always important to have in mind and set a system that is ready to tolerate variability in the hardware, computation, and communication capabilities of the devices in the network. Now, the last but not the least, and my personal favorite, synthetic data. This is one of the most familiar, to me at least, as I work in this field, and it also introduces a complete new concept in what concerns the world of data security and privacy-enhancing technologies. From its name, we can easily understand that it refers to data that is not collected from real-world events, but it's rather generated by a computer. And now you might be wondering, but if I want to apply machine learning, my data needs to have real value. This is totally true, and to be honest, synthetic data is not a completely new concept. It's something that has been used for quite some years already. For example, in order to build a predictive model for earthquakes, researchers in San Francisco produced synthetic waves in labs that would mimic a real earthquake, for example. So, what's new about it? In the latest years, some new methods have appeared in the synthetic data area. 
now we can leverage deep neural nets and high computation to do the heavy work and reproduce dataset patterns while keeping all the real-world data properties, from attributes details to correlations between variables achieving better results. So, how can this be related with data privacy? Data protection and privacy until recently were mainly targeted to production data, to keep real-world data protected. But a lot of the data was not further used for analysis activities, which made such solutions as masking, hashing, or encryption the right ones for the job. But it turns out that for machine learning in data science, real data is a must. And to have it hashed or masked is not really a viable solution, especially if we are accounting for data privacy. Data science teams or machine learning practitioners are the ones that can mainly benefit from these new synthetic data methods, as they allow them to develop data-driven solutions while having free and fast access to the most granular available data. But now, with much less concerns around possible data breaches and internal security authorizations, as no record in the data will have a one-to-one -one relationship with real-world events. And you might be wondering, how is that even possible? How is this synthetic data generated? And can I really trust that synthetic data will really keep the properties I'm looking for? Can I use it in my production systems? All of these questions are very interesting, and they will have an answer, for sure, in this podcast series. But you have to stay tuned. Nevertheless, and as in everything, it is very important to be cautious when to leverage the properties of these pets. Also, it's important to have in mind that if your original data has already some issues, or even worse, does not have enough quality, the process of synthesization won't solve your problems. There's a saying in data science that I like a lot. Garbage in, garbage out. The same happens with the synthesization of data. So don't forget it. There are many other privacy-enhancing technologies, although the ones that I've introduced you today are the most known and used in the industry. It is not surprising that tech giants such as Google's and Facebook are already pioneers in what concerns these technologies. But there are other companies that are currently leveraging pets. And fortunately, some of them we will be counting with a guest. For example, Hawkin is a perfect example of the use of federated learning. And Ydata, the perfect example of how synthetic data can unlock the properties of your production data. We are quickly reaching the end of our episode, but before, let's jump into the open mic, where I share with you interesting projects and curiosities of the machine learning world. In this episode, I bring you the work on Facebook in the area of differential privacy. In 2018, Facebook began an initiative to support independent academic research 
on social media's roles in election for democracy. This was, for sure, a first-of-its-kind project that would provide researchers access to privacy-preserving datasets that would support meaningful research in this area. The goal was for researchers to have access to data tables from which they could learn about aggregated groups, but they were not able to identify any individual user. For this initiative, and having in mind the privacy protection of the datasets, differential privacy was the path elected for the job. As we have covered before, as its core, DPE operates by adding enough randomness to data, such that there are mathematical guarantees of individual protection from re-identification. But during the course of the project, not everything went smoothly. One year later, the project was in trouble due to the poor quality of the released data. And this is because there is a trade-off between data privacy and data quality. The more randomness you introduce, the more private the data will be, but also that data will have much less utility. And that, in the end, was what happened. Happily, at the beginning of this year, Facebook was finally able to release a complete and much bigger dataset to researchers, with the quality to conduct the research activity. And during the current COVID pandemic, they also had a role to play, showing that open data can play an important role for social good. By leveraging EP, they released mobility data to help during the COVID-19 response. This is great, and another important and big remark for DP. Another big and important remark, as for DP and even for other pet methodologies, is the fact that there are recommendations and guidelines that should be followed in order to implement successful and viable solutions. For that reason, Facebook research team have released a full article on the guidelines for the adoption of DP in an organization. You can find the link in the description box below, as usual. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed and learned more about data privacy for machine learning and privacy-enhancing technologies. The next episode will be focused on the first path that we have discussed today, homomorphic encryption. And please, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast Stay tuned and join our amazing community on Slack. Thanks and take care.